Hi, I'm Kelly. And I'm Carrie. And we're Identical Twins. We are so excited to talk to you about all things related to church music here on Hymn Talk, Twin Talk. Now, each week we will break down a hymn. It could be an old favorite or it could be one you've never heard of. But it is our prayer that you will worship with us no matter what song it is. So let's get started here on Hymn Talk, Twin Talk. Now, for those of you who don't know, I am Kelly. And I'm Carrie. And, and we're, we're identical, identical twins. And we are up here talking once again, maybe like four times four a year, times five year, times yeah. a year, talking about he, up here about some of our favorite things. Jesus, the Bible, and, and hymns. This is our sixth time speaking here at FBC, and we're excited to announce that in one month, we'll be doing this again at First Baptist Church of in Bedford. Bedford. So it's amazing to see how God is using the podcast, how God uses hymns to preach his truth, his grace, and the good, good news. Actually, that's what our podcast is really about, the good news. Right, right. So we should maybe call it um, Good News Talk Twin Talk. Yeah, yeah. Or Jesus is Lord Twin Talk. Or Living for Jesus Talk Twin, twin talk. talk. But don't you think Him, him talk, talk Twin, twin talk, talk sounds better? better. Yeah. Today we're focusing on something a little different. We're continuing our sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount. Now it's been six weeks since we followed Jesus up the mountain to hear what he had to say. We joined with all of his followers, those who believed that he was the Messiah. When Jesus went up the mountain, he spent the better part of a week encouraging the people and instructing them. He sat down on the mountainside as this was the typical posture a senior teacher would take when explaining the law. We had lots of questions. Mm -hmm. Did he take breaks? Was he tired? Did his voice hurt? Did people interrupt with questions? Did anyone bring him water? We, we don't know the answers to those questions. But we do know that he absolutely wowed his, his listeners. listeners. Even the intellectuals of his day were left speechless when we talked, when he talked. In our sermon series so far, we learned about the Beatitudes. the Beatitudes. Jesus called us the salt of the earth and the light of the world. He told us not to be angry. Anger is like murder. He told us not to commit adultery. And last week, Pastor Joseph preached on making oaths and vows only to God. One of the most amazing things about these passages that are the Sermon on the Mount is that these scriptures are very recognizable to the believer and the non-believer. I bet many people would be able to finish these sentences from the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed, Blessed are, are the meek, meek for, for they, they shall inherit thee. See? Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is in... See? You are the light of the world, a city set on a... Mm -hmm. Let your yes be yes and your... And even today's passage, we've done those all the prior weeks, but even today, I bet you already know what is coming next. Jesus says, if someone slaps you on the right cheek. What Jesus said on that mountain was radical and new. And to be honest, we spent some of this week shaking our heads. 
Sometimes we were downright confused. I mean, besides wondering if he ever took a break for water, yeah, we also wondered, what exactly is Jesus trying to say to us? When you read this passage, it's easy to take it out of the context of Jesus' time in Old Testament law. But then you miss the full lesson that Jesus was giving. Sometimes, Sometimes it seemed like we were maybe on the wrong side of the mountain. So we needed God's guidance this week. We needed the Holy Spirit to help us as we prepared. What did God want us to talk about? What hymn, what hymn writer were we supposed to talk about? How could we make sense of something that seemed to contradict common sense? We prayed for God to help us. And you know what? God was faithful. He did help us. So before we begin, let's take a moment to pray that God would give us the right words and that God would bless this time together. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for being faithful to us this week. Thank you for giving us just what we need when we need it. Help us, all of us, to trust you. Help us to follow you. Help us to love you. Bless this time we have together as we open up your word, and may lives be transformed by what you have for us today. In your son's name we pray. Amen. We tried to imagine what it was like to be on the mountainside with Jesus. We imagined that people went up the mountain, heard what Jesus had to say, and came down completely transformed. The man in front of them speaking was God, and he was teaching them a new way to live. And his words to his people back then are just as applicable to us today. People who know Jesus, people who are transformed by his words, we want, want to, to be, be like Jesus. I have one deep, supreme desire like Jesus. To this I fervently aspire that I may be like Jesus. I want my heart his throne to be so that a watching world may see his likeness shining forth in me. I want to be like Jesus. <laughs> Thank you to our singers for helping us out this morning. We felt that just like the people on the mountain, they must have wanted to stand up and shout, I want to be like him. I want to be like Jesus. So that hymn, does anybody know that hymn, I Want, I want to, to Be, be like, like Jesus? Jesus? Yeah, it's only published wow. in two hymnals, but it was written by a hymn writer named Thomas, Thomas Obadiah, Obadiah Chisholm. Chisholm. So we chose Chisholm to talk about today because he has a story that really resonated with us. Do you want to hear about him? Okay, well, let's start at the beginning. Thomas Obadiah Chisholm was born on July 29th 1866 in Franklin, Kentucky to James and Lucy Chisholm. There is Kentucky historical marker number 2132 at his birthplace, which means we can go visit his birthplace home. Road trip, yep. road trip. Where's our captain? Should we all go to Kentucky? Let's go. The Chisholm family lived in a log cabin on a farm and Thomas attended a small one-room schoolhouse. It was small town living. Thomas was a student in the school until he was 16 years old, 
And at that time, he was appointed to be the school the te teacher. The teacher. Um, he was a smart young man, and after about five years, he left teaching to be a journalist for their local newspaper called The, the Franklin, Franklin Favorite. Now, this is where his love for writing was really developed. And one day, he was on assignment. He was sent to attend a revival meeting that was taking place in the area. He was there on official business to write an article. Now, this took place in 1893. 130 years ago. And you might think that this singular event 130 years ago would have nothing to do with us. Well, this one revival meeting had eternal impact. First, the speaker at this meeting was named Henry Clay Morrison. Morrison had been a preacher since he was 19 years old, and his favorite venue of outreach was a camp meeting. In fact, while we're visiting Chisholm's birthplace, mm -hmm. we could actually visit the Morrison Park Holiness Camp in Barron County, Kentucky. Right, this is where Morrison started his preaching career, and his popularity just grew from there to other parts of Kentucky and to most of the states and other countries. Mm -hmm. Morrison's tent meetings resulted in thousands of people turning their lives over to the Lord, but that number grows exponentially when you realize that it was Morrison who founded the seminary, Asbury University. University. We have to think that the days-long worship service that was happening last week on the campus is something Morrison would have loved. Talk about eternal impact. Now, it was one of Morrison's revival meetings that our budding journalist, Thomas, Thomas O. Chisholm, Chisholm, turned his life over to Christ. And what a transformation for him. Yeah. He left his job at the Franklin Favorite, and Morrison hired him to write for the newspaper, The, the Pentecostal Herald. He started writing poems and eventually left the newspaper business altogether to pastor his own church. Finding Jesus that night in that revival meeting changed his life changed his job, changed his vocation. This is the power of Christ. Lives are transformed when Jesus meets you. We can think of this happening so many times. It happened in our lives. It happened for many of you. Sometimes it's a huge dramatic transformation like it was for Chisholm. Instead of living for the world, living for the paycheck, living for social status or friends, Chisholm completely changed and began living, living for, for Jesus. Jesus. And Chisholm's dramatic transformation is something we see over and over again in his poems. Mm -hmm. We read that he wrote over 1,200 poems, and unfortunately, after all these years, we only know a handful. One of his most popular hymns is the one we sang earlier in the service, Living, Living for, for Jesus. Jesus. It's published in 142 hymnals. Listen to what he has to say about his new life in Christ. Oh, Jesus, Lord and Savior, I give myself to Thee. For Thou in Thy atonement didst give Thyself for me. I own no other master. My heart shall be Thy throne. My life I give henceforth to live, O Christ, for thee alone. Living for Christ alone. Those we, are his words. We hear this theme of living for Christ, for wanting to be like Christ, in another one of his popular hymns, O to Be Like Thee. It's published in 78 hymnals. So it's just a little bit more popular than the last one. 
Oh, to be like thee, blessed Redeemer, this is my constant longing and prayer. Chisholm didn't want to just live for Jesus. He wanted to be, be like, like Jesus, Jesus, our blessed Redeemer. Which brings us to another hymn of Chisholm's, I Want to Be Like Jesus. We love this hymn. And it also continues his theme of being like Jesus. But none of you knew, knew it when we asked. Yeah. None of you knew it. Actually, it is only published in two hymnals. We loved reading about Chisholm and about Morrison and seeing what a difference Jesus made in their lives. Meeting uh, Jesus, knowing, knowing Jesus, Jesus, and living for Jesus is truly transformative. Your life is completely changed inside and out. Chisholm wrote, and we heard it earlier, I want to be like Jesus. Now, we hear in the Bible over and over again stories of how people changed after they met Jesus, after they met Jesus in the flesh. Mm -hmm. The author of our sermon text, Matthew, he went from collecting taxes to collecting souls for Jesus and so many more people. We can name them from the Bible. Peter. Zacchaeus. Mary Magdalene. The woman at the well. The royal official with the sick son in Galilee. Paul and many others. Meeting Jesus changes lives. Every interaction with Jesus was powerful, life-changing. We read his words in the Bible and they hold that same transformative power today. Mm. So let's read today's sermon from the Sermon of the Mount, Matthew 5, 38 to 42. You have heard that it was said, an, an eye, eye for an eye and, and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. The things Jesus is telling us to do in just those five verses are unlike anything his followers had heard before. He says to them right at the beginning, you have heard an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. He says to them, you know these customs that you've heard about for ages? You've read about them in the law? I'm going to turn that around for you. The people listening must have been so confused. And believe me, we were too. So we had to dig into some Jewish law and to see what was going on at the time. Doesn't that sound fun? Sounds great, right? Well, we hope that by doing this, we'll shed some light on the text, which definitely seems like it doesn't make sense. Now, so Jesus starts the part of his sermon. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Jesus was quoting the Old Testament law. We see it in Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. We see it right here in Exodus 21. But if there is harm, then you shall pay life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. The ancient world was governed by this principle. It is called the law of reciprocity. It was basically you treat people the way they treat you. It was the foundation of the social relationship. And you know what? We still see this today. What is done for you or to you, you do want to reciprocate. I mean, we just had this in my family this weekend. Um, our last weekend, we had car trouble. Another family offered to car, you know, drive Ari to softball, and they drove both ways. And this weekend, now that the car was all set, 
I wanted to offer to drive both ways. I wanted to reciprocate. It just seemed right. Mm -hmm. So this law of recipro reciprocity seems so common now, but you have to know that that was a huge change for the ancient world. Before these laws were put into place, the people were able, if they were hurt or wounded, they were able to seek their own personal revenge. And since there was no system of justice or laws stopping them, these acts of revenge would escalate and escalate and escalate. So there needed to be laws to stop this from happening, and that is where the law of reciprocity com comes in. If someone wrongs you, you could just go to the courts, and elders or judges would make the judgment. And they would decide on a monetary punishment that was equal to the crime. You didn't have a bunch of people poking out each other's eyes. You had people paying for the crime. And this was a way to limit personal revenge. It was a system of justice, and it was based on fairness and equality. So much of Jesus' teachings assumes this cultural code. You love those who love you. You hate those who hate you. You give to those who can repay you. You honor those who honor you. That was the social norm of the day, and everyone accepted it. But in these five verses, Jesus gives us a, a new, new way to, to live. Lives will be transformed as a result of these words. This truly is the transformational power of meeting Jesus. So Jesus tells us what it will look like. He says, do not resist the one who is evil. Do, do not resist. resist. So this was another kind of confusing statement. What did Jesus mean? Is it the word resist that we think of? Well, if you look at the Hebrew word for resist, it was kara. It means to burn or be kindled with anger. So we see the same word in the Psalms. The psalmist gives us advice. Fret not yourself. That's the kara because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers. Don't burn with anger. They will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. And then again, refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret, Fret not, not yourself. yourself. It tends only to evil, for the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. What is the psalmist telling us? If you respond with anger or burning, it leads only to more evil. Don't worry. Don't let that anger burn inside of you because of evildoers. They will soon fade. They will not last. And God will take care of them. And we see this theme again and again in the New Testament. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians, see that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and to all people. Again, Paul writes, bless those who persecute you, don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. This advice must sound familiar. Yeah, we've heard it. It's basically love your enemies. So Jesus gives four examples to show how we can resist, resist the, the evildoers. Evil the first one, when someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn and offer them your left. Now at first glance, it kind of sounds just, you know, don't fight back. Don't right? look for revenge. Ignore, you know, just ignore that law of reciprocity. Don't fight back. But, but there is more. First of all, it's a slap. So it's a personal insult. You have just been shamed. And it was probably in front of a, a lot, lot of people. people. Now, there are two ways to slap someone. An open-handed slap, like, like this. this, or a backhanded slap, like this. 
Now, the open palm slap is the slap in Jesus' time that you would give to an equal. But the backhanded slap is what you would do to an inferior. The, black, the backhanded slap was a statement. I'm above you. I'm in control. And you should cower in fear. Now, Jesus specifically says the right cheek. So, now, everyone in Jesus' time was right-handed. So, there was really only one way to do this. And I think we just have to demonstrate. Okay. I'm okay. not going to really hit you. Okay. Um, but Thanks. so, show me your right Thanks. cheek. Right no. cheek. No. All right. Yeah, right cheek. All right. Now, I'll show you my right, right hand. hand. Okay. So, he says if you slap on the right cheek, it would definitely be a, a backhanded, backhanded slap. slap. I mean, you're not going to She's not going to do that. Yeah. So, it would have to be that backhanded slap. Which was highly insulting. Highly offensive. Jesus knew that. So when she is slapped on my right cheek, Jesus says, turn the other cheek. So now she turns and offers me the other cheek. And the only thing I can do if I wanted to fight, if I wanted to slap her again, would be to offer my open-handed slap. This would be treating this person like an equal. This would be far less insulting. And this person, especially in front of a crowd, wouldn't want to administer that open-palmed slap. Turning the other cheek doesn't just give the person permission to hit you again. Turning the other cheek forces the other person to make a decision. Do I slap again as an equal? Jesus is showing us a creative way to resist the evildoer by turning the other cheek. Jesus doesn't say fight back, but he's also not saying cower and let yourself continue to be slapped. He is giving us a new way to live. He, he wants, wants us, us to, to be brave, brave, to endure the cruel reproaches, and in so doing, we, we can, can be like, like Jesus. Oh, to be like thee, lowly in spirit, holy and harmless, patient and brave, meekly enduring, Cruel reproaches, willing to suffer, others to save. Now, Jesus goes on. The second way to resist the evildoer is outlined in verse 40. He says, if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. So what is Jesus saying here? Just give everything you have to people who don't deserve it? Well... Think of that law of reciprocity. If someone is suing you for your tunic and it's right and fair for that person to have your tunic, how do you think that person would respond if you gave more? more. Jesus tells us to love our enemies. He tells us to bless those who persecute us. He tells us to be generous and kind. He wants us to do more than what is expected. And that's pretty radical, especially when the person isn't being nice. But this whole tunic cloak thing is even more than that. And again, you have to understand the customs of Jesus' day to really get what he's saying here. Back then, your cloak was a very important piece of clothing. It served as your blanket at night. You needed your cloak to protect you from the elements. Even if you used your cloak as collateral for a loan, the person would be expected to return the cloak at night. Keeping that cloak overnight would be unheard of. So an evil person takes your tunic, and just like with the slap, you do not cower in fear. You don't fight back. What do you do? You give them the cloak as well. You give them the thing you need the most. In this way, again, 
you're resisting the evil person by forcing them to make a decision. Taking your cloak would be a huge injustice. It would probably result in someone else standing up for you. The, the whole crowd would no, probably get involved. They would not allow this. Again, we see this creative way of resisting the evildoer. Give your cloak as, as well. He spent his life in doing good. I want to be like Jesus in lowly paths of service God. I want to be like Jesus. So let's look at the third example that Jesus gives. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Now, Jesus is specifically talking about the rules they had back then. You see, a Roman soldier could ask anyone to carry his pack for him and walk with him. But there was a limit to this. He could only do it for one mile. After a mile, the Jewish person would drop the pack and the Roman soldier would have to carry it or find someone else to carry it. This custom, this rule, was well known by everyone at the time. In fact, we see it in the Bible on Jesus' way to Calvary. A Roman soldier tells Simon of Cyrene to carry Jesus' cross. Matthew and Mark say Simon was compelled to carry the cross. In Luke's gospel, he writes that Simon was seized and had the cross laid on him. In each account, Simon is pressed into service. The passages do not say that he volunteered. That was what a Roman soldier could, could do. do. So Jesus says, of course, follow the law and walk the mile. But then resist the evildoer and go another mile. And this is literally where we get the expression, go, go the an extra, extra mile. mile. You've heard that. Do more. Be, go further. Be generous. And again, this is a creative way to resist the evildoer. Now you're going the extra mile and you're carrying the pack because, because you, you want, want to. to. Because you want to bless the person. You want to give more than is required. Living for Jesus wherever I am, doing each duty in his holy name, willing to suffer affliction and loss, Finally, in verse 42, Jesus gives us the last example. Give to one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Jesus is saying that we should give, give. without any expectation of anything being returned. Now, it sounds like he's just saying be charitable, be generous, and, and th those are good things. We all should. But there is more to Jesus' instructions than just being generous. In the Jewish law, loans and transactions would be made, but they were not allowed to charge interest when those loans were made within the Jewish community. Now, outside of the Jewish community, they would charge interest. And the interest rates could be absurdly high. So Jesus is telling the people, freely give to anyone who needs it. Don't worry about the interest. This is another creative way to resist the evildoer. Give, give with, with no, no expectation. expectation. A Jew or, or a, a Gentile. Gentile. A friend or a foe, a good man or a bad man, worthy or unworthy. Jesus is saying to give freely, readily, cheerfully, 
according to your abilities and according to what is needed. And yes, Jesus is saying, give to someone who is evil. Maybe even give to someone who won't pay it back. Be a blessing. Help someone who needs it. And, and don't, don't expect, expect a anything thing in, in return. return. Oh, to be like thee, full of compassion, loving, forgiving, tender and kind, helping the helpless, cheering the fainting, seeking the wandering, sinner to find. So you've just heard Jesus' instructions from the Sermon on the Mount, hopefully in a new way, and let's be honest, they're pretty tough. What Jesus is asking his followers to do is challenging, sometimes painful. And really, it's counterintuitive to our human nature. We are left with asking, how? How are we supposed to do this? Well, we have the perfect example in the life of, of Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. Jesus walked on this earth. He spent time with the lowest of low. Instead of casting away the sinners around him, he gathered them close to him. Jesus was God. He could have used all his heavenly powers to get anything he wanted here on earth, but he did nothing like that. He was humble. He was giving. He was loving. And that humble, giving, and loving spirit brought him to Calvary. It brought him to death on a cross. He literally blessed his enemies and his persecutors. He forgave them while he was hanging on the cross. He showed us exactly how to live in our broken world. When we realize this, when we come to know Jesus as the loving Savior that he is, when we realize that he died for us, then we try to live like him. And that is what we saw in our hymn writer, Thomas Chisholm. He completely changed the way he lived his life. So we have a question for you. For those of us who know Christ, how, how have, have our, our lives, lives changed? Can the people around us see a difference? Do we love our enemies? Do we pray for our persecutors? Are we a blessing to those around us? He wants us to turn the other cheek. He wants us to give our cloak as well. He wants us to go the extra mile. He wants us to give with no expectation. And you know what all that is? That's, That's love. love. That's love in action. Love like Jesus. Live like Jesus. Bless like Jesus. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you. Thank you for the word you have given us today. And thank you, Father, for the example of your son. May we all leave this place ready to follow him, ready to follow his example, ready to be his transformed disciples in a dark world that desperately needs his light. We pray this all in your son's name. Amen. 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 Let's stand together and sing once more. So excited to be singing one of Thomas Chisholm's most popular hymns. We purposely saved this hymn to the end. We know it is a favorite of many of you. It is one of our favorites as well. We explored this hymn on episode 50. If you haven't listened to episode 50 yet, it is all about great is thy faithfulness. 
We interviewed Pastor Reed at that podcast episode. Go and listen to it. It's one of his favorites too. So we wanted to end it to end our service today by praising God for his faithfulness. Let's sing. Great is thy faith.